loyal. We're already a minute late, and our loyal uh, viewers and listeners are um, chomping at the bit. They're chomping at the bit for us to get going. But we're uh, we're going. I was just saying to uh, the Comedy Schools Radio Network fan base and the YouTube Comedy Schools channel fa uh, fan base and our Facebook Live fan base was chomping at the bit because it was already 201 and we were not uh, on the air yet, but we are on the air now. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to get situated here so that everybody can see me. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. You are watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic. Living on a Thin Line. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or Pacific Time. Right now, Arizona time is Pacific Time. Uh, 2 p.m. I don't know what time it is where you are. But uh, it's not too hard to figure out when you are there, okay? Since uh, I'm not totally positive where you are, uh, the math becomes difficult for me. So uh, 2 p.m. Arizona time, which is Pacific time, uh, we come to you every day. This is <clears throat> your daily diversion for all the anger, anxiety, and hoopla floating about planet Earth today. Uh, we talk about a lot of silly things, a lot of fun things, a lot of goofy things. Uh, every once in a while, we get a little serious. Uh, every once, every little once in a while. I don't know how serious we'll get today. Um, <clears throat> couple things to tell you about real quick before we start. Let's get the advertisements in front of us. Uh, tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And you know what? Tickets are, uh, beginning to move for this show. And I think it's a testament to the artists who have been booked onto the show. Randy Ioma, uh, David John and Shale Brenner, uh, two very funny artists who I've just met in the last year or two and, uh, have, uh, Really, really enjoyed working with. Uh, what's that? You three artists. I did. I mentioned three artists. Why? What did I? Was there a? I said two. Oh, well, it's three. Okay, okay, it's three. Uh, <laughs> three artists I've really enjoyed working with uh, pre and post uh, pandemic crisis. Um, these people have really worked. You know, unlike a lot of Zoom shows you may watch, and I know it's weird. I'm on Zoom all day working. Then I'm going to, uh, what, I'm going to uh, watch a show on Zoom too? Yeah, what difference does it make? It's like if you're in front of a computer screen all day, then you go and watch a television screen. This is all just all in one place. These three, these three uh, have really been um, uh, working hard to be able to present a really good show for you on Zoom. So you probably watch some Zoom things. It's like the progressive uh, insurance commercial where people are only showing their half their face and... They're doing all kinds of screwy things while they're on Zoom, and it's a big mess. These people have been working very hard to be able to pre present a, a really good entertainment show for you, both visually and in what they talk about. And they're fun, and they're funny, and it's tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or Arizona Time, uh, 7 p.m. Tickets are easy to get. Just go to ComedySchools.com and click Get Tickets. If you tried earlier this week, there was uh, some technical snafus with the website, but we have... Uh, we straightened them out. So tickets are still available. You will have fun. Please check out the show. Uh, Bob Rocky asked, there's a menu I can see. Uh, and Bob, my answer to you is uh, you'll eat what we give you and you'll like it. So uh, there's no, no menu for you. And we got that going on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Uh, we are presenting a free, absolutely free, ladies and gentlemen, Absolutely free intro to our stand-up comedy workshops. Uh, the next one is starting August 6th. 
So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves and doing weekly free intros just for you. Uh, you can get the link or the meeting, uh, the password and uh, a meeting code all on comedyschools.com. It's absolutely free. All you got to do is click on the link, sit back and listen and see what we all, if what we offer is for you. So it's a free hour Tuesday night. Please check it out. I know you're sitting going, I never thought about being a stand-up comic. It's not just about stand-up comedy. It's about stand-up comedy. It's about writing comedy. It's about presenting comedy. It's about being creative. It's about being a good public speaker. It's about being a better salesperson. It's about getting rid of those weird butterflies and anxiety that we have in our stomach whenever we feel like we're put on the line even a little bit. We, uh, we present a lot of ideas that we believe can help you with all of that. And uh, we asked, all we ask is that uh, Tuesday night at 6 p.m., you uh, drop in on the free intro. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was on a high horse uh, last couple of days about local issues. Uh, I'm not going to get off of that high horse, but I'm not going to really talk about it today. Not a lot to talk about. But uh, uh, I think it's something that's important for everyone to remember. Here's something that's important for something everyone to remember. You probably, uh, Bob Rocky would have a hairball in my throat. No, Bob, just because you enjoy having things in your throat doesn't mean you should be projecting it on others. Here's something that I think is important for all of us to remember. All right. We all know what Donald Trump is doing. We all know what the Senate's doing. We all know what Nancy Pelosi's doing. Okay. But what are our local leaders doing? Not only are they doing for us, but possibly what are they doing to us? What are our local leaders doing during this pandemic? What are they doing during normal times? How is the money being spent? How do their votes affect you? Most people do not know who their House of Representative member is for their district. Most people don't know who's on their city council or board of supervisors. It's hard to keep up with. But if you just keep up with a little of it and ask questions and make your presence known, a little can go a long way. To the point, we're going to make a push for, uh, there was a grant that was being offered to the citizens of Maricopa that were small business owners. It was a grant being offered. And uh, uh, I said, I, I told one of the council members, it was a little cumbersome, and he came back with, oh, it is this and this and this. And I said, spoken like a true government official. Those people are used to filling those things out. A lot of people with a micro business or a new micro business are not. And it can be a little uh, anxiety causing. There wasn't a lot of support with filling this thing out. The point is this, okay? Uh, X amount of money was given out, but in a now deleted Facebook post conversation with one of our city council members, he said, besides, 900000 went unasked for. So $900,000 that was earmarked, designated for small business in this city were not accessed. So the question is, do people not need it? Maybe. Okay. Or was there not enough outreach? Was there not enough information? Was there not enough education by the city for the residents? To show them that something that is available to them, that in a sense belongs to them, that is available and how to access it. And then the second question is, what are their rules and regulations and restrictions on getting these grants too cumbersome? So I'm hoping sometime this week to have someone from the City Council on Facebook Live. I can share screens and we'll do that. But uh, I'm not going to talk about that a lot today. Uh, this show is built primarily on three things. Uh, Bob Rocky says he's a congressman. Yes, you are. And then sometimes you put on a little pirate hat and then you're a pirate bob uh bob rocky is a friend of ours he's uh watching right now and commenting he's one of the funniest people i know and one hell of a guy 
uh, and we appreciate him having here. And if you knew my relationship with Bob, you would realize that the uh, rudeness and crudeness that I am exhibiting towards his every statement is uh, all meant in love. <laughs> and if any of you decide to comment, uh, you'll be uh, treated much nicer. Um, shows on three platforms. We talked about that. It's based on three things, built around three things. Questions and comments from you, the audience, on one of the three platforms. The easiest one for me is Facebook Live. It's right in front of my face. Okay, but I can also see YouTube and Shirley will tell me it'll be on the radio. It's built around that. Then it's built around some object, memorabilia, memento, autograph, silly little trinket that we have sitting around here in the home office that we share with you and uh, 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 that we share with you and then possibly build a story around it. The second thing it's built around, uh, the second thing, it's, that's the second thing. The third thing it's built around is I recommend uh, two artists or piece of music based on my massive and mighty vinyl album collection. I got two great ones today. Abhinav Goyle says, what ice cream are you eating today? Damn you, Abhinav. What ice cream are you eating today for National Ice Cream Day? Shirley, did you know that? Did you know today was National Ice Cream Day? No, we, have, uh, we got vanilla. Now, here's the whole thing with ice cream. I love ice cream. The two things that I would love to eat more than anything in life is ice cream and Cheez-Its. But as you get older, you're not supposed to eat that. And you go, well, I'll do what I want. And then you go and get some blood tests. You go, okay, I can't do what I want. And I've really cut back on my ice cream. But somehow, Shirley feels better when she has ice cream if I have ice cream. People are like that. You know, have a drink. Have a drink with me. You know, we're going here. Do you want to go? You know, and I don't have a lot of willpower when it comes to ice cream or cheese it. So I thought maybe I'd be able to use all the willpower that I have muster it, not to eat any ice cream today and therefore extend my life and this eternal fountain of youth that if you look at me, I seem to drink from. But now, I guess now we have to do our civic duty. Thanks to you bringing it up, enough National Ice Cream Day. I will have vanilla ice cream with, uh, what is that? Is that like hard shell chocolate we have, Cheryl? We got that hard shell, shell chocolate that you squirt it on and then it hardens up around the ice cream. You know, uh, that's really good. I'll be having some of that directly after the show to be uh, down with the uh, ice cream struggle. I'm down with it. Okay, now let's get to the stuff. First thing I'm going to show you is this. What is that? What is that? Okay, so this, of course, is a print of a painting done by Kadinsky. This is a 2019 Kandinsky calendar that I came across. Why do I have a 2019 Kandinsky calendar? Because I really admire the artist Kandinsky. Um, he's mo his most famous painting is The Battle. So um, you might want to uh, check that out. Just kind of Google Kandinsky The Battle and you'll see one of his great pieces of work. This one is called... Uh, it doesn't say uh, the name of it, okay? But it's a really cool picture. And this was done in 1924. All right, check that out. To me, that's classic Kandinsky. So who was Kandinsky? Kandinsky was a Russian post-impressionist. I wish my brother Jerry was right. He'd be able to watch and he'd be able to tell us all about this. Somehow his art, Grabbed my eye. And here's the back of the calendar showing you each one of the prints for each month of the year. 
So I've kept this 2019 calendar because they're very cool prints. I actually have, um, I don't think we have them up anymore, but 20 years ago or so, my brother Jerry took me to a Kandinsky exhibit in Los Angeles, and I bought several prints that I then had framed and used to have up my house. They're pretty cool looking. Uh, something about what he did grabbed my eye. I am not a, uh, uh, I'm not educated in the world of art. And I used to spend a lot of time in New York City when I was a young guy doing comedy. You don't have a lot of dough. You get up and go, what am I going to do today? You can walk all over that city and it's amazing. Uh, but I would go to art museums because they were inexpensive. And my, my ethic, my ethos when I went into an art museum was I'm just going to walk around and see what pulls me in. And I was consistently, consistently just pulled in, not knowing who had created the art or the painting by Monet Manet, you could recognize Van Gogh pretty easily. Kandinsky, uh, Jackson Pollock, they would just grab me. They were arresting in their visual, uh, uh, in all their visual components. Uh, Kandinsky was in, came out in the 20s out of Russia. His big, um, his big uh, like I said, painting was The Battle. I think he was an incredible artist. He helped usher in the era of modern art. Hold on, I just said, I want to show you this one. I think this one's really cool. You see that? So why did artists... It's another print from Kandinsky. Why did artists at the beginning of the 20th century begin to paint things like this instead of portraits and landscapes? Or why did their portraits and landscapes begin to take on such a surreal and different quality than, say, something from the Dutch masters? Cameras. You see, oftentimes technology moves art. Technology moves art and we don't realize it. With the advent of the camera starting in the, uh, uh, primarily I think in the 1850s, 1860s, uh, it was no longer necessary to hire an artist to paint your portrait. We still do. We have, uh, it's still done. Each president has his portrait painted. It's hung up in the White House. This president has put two uh, great president's paintings back in the laundry room, but that's for a different, different time. So since you could already get what the artists were doing now with a photograph, it almost drove them to have to do something else to stay relevant, to stay alive. And that brought on the era of the surrealist, the impressionist, the pointillist, the cubist, the post-impressionist, Kandinsky being one of the greatest. Little story about Kandinsky's The Battle. Okay, The Battle is considered one of his greatest and most well-known paintings. Like I said, uh, Google it, look at it, write me back and tell me what you think. I loved it. A guy named Jack Mondris supposedly had a giant print of it in his office behind his desk. Uh, I first met Jack Mondris because he was the manager for, um, there was a, uh, a girl, a woman that I went to acting school at the Strasbourg Institute named Amy Madigan. Amy was a pal. Amy Madigan was a pal, okay? And uh, not only was she a very good actress who later on um, went on to establish herself as an actress in movies like Field of Dreams, Ed Harris's wife uh, was recently in um, uh, the Showtime series uh, Penny Dreadful, Los Angeles, uh, does a great job. She was managed, she had an all-girl band, and the first time I went to the improv was to see Amy Madigan in her all-girl band at the improv, and she was managed by Jack Mondras. Uh, Lauren Molliver says, have some Kandinsky frame prints. Love his work. There you go. 
Uh, I don't know if great minds, but pretty good minds uh, think alike. Don't we, Lauren? Um, then uh, later on, Jack Maunders became Bill Hicks's manager. And Bill Hicks was one of my near and dear friends. We've talked about Bill on this show many times. Uh, Bill uh, left management Jack Maunders. Jack called me and asked me if I tried to talk him into changing his mind. I could not. But one of the things Bill said to me, and this is where sometimes the people that you love most and the people you care about most, uh, you're going to differ with them on things. You're going to differ with them on things. And Bill told me that one of the reasons that he left Jack, he goes, you know what he's got in his office right behind his desk? He's got uh, Kandinsky's The Battle, the giant blown up print. Kandinsky's The Battle. And I asked him why he had it. Jack said, because life is a battle. And I told him, I said, no, life is not a battle. It's a journey to be lived and drove to. So I, he's not the manager for me. And I didn't say anything because... I found it odd that one of the few things that Jack and I both had, one of the many things Jack and I actually had in common, we was both a love of Kadinsky. I was one of Bill's closest friends. Jack had been his manager and mentor for a long time. Uh, and that uh, Bill, despite the fact that he was a comic genius, uh, did not have an appreciation for this great work of art. So I want you to find, I want you to just go, Go into Google and put in great works of art from the 20th century. and Because we can't go to museums right now, they're closed. And look through and check out the pictures and see what grabs you that you don't know, that you haven't looked at before. And go, hey, it's, you know, if all you do is look at Grandma Moses and, uh, um, um, uh, you know, and uh, stuff like that, you know, or Andy Warhol. Great. Huh? Dogs playing poker. Dogs playing poker. Yeah, that's great. That's pretty. Um, that's pretty what? Dogs playing poker is pretty darn famous. So if that's your cup of tea, I'm not putting you down for it. I'm just saying open up your mind. Open up your mind and check out some other things. Hey, um, did I mention we got a show tonight at 7 o'clock? Tickets at ComedySchools.com. All right. Now we're going to talk about uh, two great pieces of work, and I'm so happy that I found these records and I can share them with you. Uh, this first one, I guess I'll do this first one. This is an incredible album by an incredible musician, all right, and this is the very best of John Lee Hooker. The very best of John Lee Hooker. And if you don't know John Lee Hooker, I don't know what to tell you. On side A, Dimples, Boogie Chillin', Little Wheel, Crawling King Snake, No Shoes, Tupelo. Side B, Drugstore Woman, Hobo Blues, I'm in the Mood, Whiskey and Women, Dusty Road, and boom, 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 boom. This was another one of those people who contributed more to American music than you could possibly imagine. That the style of guitar playing and the type of songwriting and the way that he was able to pick at those strings and the way that he worked that fret informed and taught a legion of guitarists, all who became, for my generation, much more famous. As a matter of fact, man, if you just listen to Boom Boom, you go, oh yeah, I, I know that song. Boom, 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 boom. Abedov Goyle asks, is Kandinsky like an older version of Banksy? No, he's not. Banksy um, uh, paints on other people's walls. Kandinsky paints on canvas. But possibly. It's altogether possible. You look at Kandinsky and tell me if you see a connection. Right now we're talking about John Lee Hooker. You want to uh, YouTube uh, Boogie Chillin', Whiskey and Women, and Boom Boom. And tell me that you don't, that you don't go, man, that is hot. So he was a man who recorded uh, a long time ago. 
never received the fame that he should have as an artist personally, but inspired thousands of other artists. Uh, how much did he inspire other artists? The first time I heard a John Lee Hooker song, I go, hey, he's copying Canned Heat. Because there was a song by a band called Canned Heat. If you know them at all, you know them from songs like uh, Going Up the Country and I'm on the Road Again. I'm on the Road Again. And Canned Heat was really a bunch of uh, uh, young white kids, uh, I think primarily from Woodland Hills, California, who loved the blues and got good at perfecting it and playing it themselves. And they had a song called The Canned Heat Boogie. Uh, and it was a long song with a guy, with a singer, just kind of talked over it. Oh, it's a boogie. That's right, it's a boogie. Like a nine-minute song where they broke off into solos. Now you give them the drums. So as far as I knew, they had created that little beat. But it was invented by John Lee Hooker. So much so did I think the Canned Heat were the ones that had come up with that riff that when ZZ Top came out with LaGrange... In the early 70s, they go, they're ripping off canned heat. Not realizing that no one was ripping anybody off, just that um, the guys from ZZ Top and the guys from Canned Heat massively loved John Lee Hooker and by recording his music, then created a bigger awareness of John Lee Hooker and increased his sales and uh, ticket sales as well. But if you want to hear early stuff that kicks ass just as much today as it ever has, please. Check out John Lee Hooker. Not just occasionally where it's played, a little chunk is played on some commercial, but especially Boom Boom, Whiskey and Women, and Boogie Chillin'. Boogie Chillin' is a song that kind of inspired thousands of other songs. John Lee Hooker. Later on, John Lee Hooker made an album with Candy Heat called Hooker and Heat, where he sat in with them and they got to play with their hero. I think that's pretty cool. The next album, everybody knows Fleetwood Mac. Even if you're a kid now, you know, because your parents play it, they're still on the radio a lot. And we all know that that super lineup of Fleetwood Mac with Lindsey Graham, Stevie Nicks, uh, John McVie, Mick Fleetwood, Christine McVie. But what a lot of people don't know is that Fleetwood Mac went through several lineup changes in their career. And prior to, prior to uh, Buckingham and Nicks joining the group, they were uh, a mildly successful uh, album-oriented rock band. So their songs were played like on FM. What was that show? Oh. All right. So this was one of my favorite Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac albums from back in the day. It is called Bear Trees. Neither Stevie Nicks or Lindsey Buckingham are on here. Instead, the two uh, guitars that were, uh, they had two guitars with them at the time, Danny Kerwain and Bob Welch. Danny Kerwain and Bob Welch. And this is a beautiful kind of soft rock album. Fleetwood Mac had gone from a, uh, uh, like Canned Heat, uh, a bunch of white kids, only this time in England, who so loved the blues that they copied the blues. They loved Chicago blues. They tried to copy and play Chicago blues. And you listen to early Fleetwood Mac, you know, uh, if you listen to songs like Oh Well, which was one of their bigger FM radio hits in the late 60s, you hear... Chicago blues. Later on, they sat in with a bunch of Chicago bluesmen, did a live album with them. But over the years, their sound evolved to more of a soft rock sound. And the two really big hits off of this were uh, Spare Me a Little of Your Love, written by Christine McVie, 
and Sentimental Lady, written by Bob Welch. Sentimental gentle wind blowing through my mind again. So uh, all the other songs are very well, too. Child of Mine, uh, The Ghost, Homeward Bound, uh, which is not the same as the Simon and Garfunkel one, Sunny Side of Heaven. Bear Trees is a great tune. Um, and I can't really speak on dust or thoughts of the day. But especially Sentimental Lady and Spare Me a Little of Your Love. So they were a fairly successful, um, by this point in the uh, early 70s, soft rock band. Not successful enough to sustain them. They went through some weird stuff around that time. I get to tell the story and that it's true. Sometime around 1972, I had tickets to see Fleetwood Mac in a small theater in St. Louis, and they were canceled due to lack of interest. They just could not. I don't know if, if there was some number, if they don't sell this many tickets, because I certainly saw uh, a sparsely populated ve uh, venues back in those days of band, offbeat bands that I like. But Fleetwood Mac was an offbeat band. They were not as big in the early 70s as anybody, as big as Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or Santana, or even The Dead, uh, 10 years after uh, any of those groups, Procol Harum, none of them. Uh, but their music was played on FM radio, and people liked it. But not enough to sell enough tickets to St. Louis for them to not cancel an event. Okay? So... Um, one of their guitarists, I believe it was Peter Green, was one of those tragedies similar to uh, Sid Barrett and, Pink, and uh, Pink Floyd, who inexplicably, at some point while they were a successful blues-based outfit, disappeared into South America on some uh, drug-fueled binge, and I don't think ever came back the same. So they, were, they seemed kind of snake-bit a little bit, okay? Probably going to lose the recording contract. Then somewhere in the mid-'70s is Mick Fleetwood, who, like a lot of those poor kids from England, kids who grew up, were born during World War II, and they lived through all the privation and hunger of uh, uh, post-World War II England, uh, wasn't going to give up. He knew it was play the drums or die. Okay, kept reinventing that band. He and John McVie did. Brought in John McVie's uh, girlfriend, who later on became his wife. Uh, uh, kept switching out guitarists as they would leave or things didn't work out. And finally settled on two young Americans, one from Phoenix, Arizona, by the way, Stevie Nicks, uh, to add their lineup once Danny Kerwain and uh, Bob Welch were gone. But during that time, right before Fleetwood Mac blew up and became the monster of uh, rock radio that they still are today, okay, their manager at the time decided to fire them, sent them a letter, and when I owned the name Fleetwood Mac and started sending out, he goes, look, all you are is the drummer and the bass player by this point. And this girl playing piano, and she's not an original member. You're a drummer and bass player. You're not even that band anymore. You don't play. You don't sound the way you're supposed to sound in order for us to sell tickets, you know. You don't sound like your records. Fuck you. You're fired. And put out a fake Fleetwood Mac with no original members. Session musicians, if you will, who were hired to go on tour. And I don't blame those guys. They didn't know. Okay? So Mick Fleetwood had to go to court and fight for the right to the name of his band. It'd been easy for Mick Fleetwood, you know, not an overly educated guy. Poor kid from England, grew up, gangly weirdo who played the drums. Okay? Probably high most of the time. It'd been easy for him to give up and quit. But he fought for his name. Mick Fleetwood fought for his name. John McVie fought for his name. And they won. And they got their rights to be Fleetwood Mac. 
And either during that time, and for a while, there were two tourings. I remember now. There was Mick and John touring his fleet with Mac and the group the manager, their former manager, put together. They won, and during that time, they decided to take a chance with a young singer and young guitar player, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, and then put out an album that changed their lives and music that then changed the world. Changed the world, or at least made you feel good when you listened to it. And many years after that, I got to see that lineup of Fleetwood Mac at a massive, massive rock festival in the Inland Empire in California. And was so glad that I did. Uh, I like all versions of Fleetwood Mac. I like the early blues bass, Chicago blues band. I like the soft rock band. And I like the unique sound of the Fleetwood Mac that you all know and love. So go back and listen. Listen, uh, listen to Oh Well, which is an early song by them. It's really kind of uh, John Lee Hooker-ish. Then jump forward and listen to uh, Sentimental Lady. And go, wow, that's the same band. And then jump forward and listen to uh, Gold Dust Woman. And go, wow, that's the same band. Okay? Because what they loved is music and making music. And they weren't going to become a nostalgia act and then become set in their ways. But following the ethic that I first read, the guitarist from the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia, they go, how does this band work? He goes, well, whenever we perfect something, we totally destroy it and recreate it. Same thing with that band. You listen to that band in 1967, then listen to them in 1972 and go, is this the same band? Yet it is the same sound. Something unique and wonderful coming through them that they let evolve. You let yourself evolve too. Don't get sucked into stinking thinking. Don't get sucked into lethargy. Find new ways to do old things or take a chance on new things. But wear a mask while you're doing it. All right, that's our show. Hey, I hope I see all of you tonight at 7 p.m., when we present, Tony Vizic presents Sunday Night's Funnier with Shale Brenner, David John, and Randy Ioma. Uh, and then I'll see you back here tomorrow at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.